0: Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live! Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans and one absentee chaos coordinator with a migraine geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place we are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. Without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. Oliver Longchamps, with a name like that, he's got to be awesome, uh, introduce himself to our listeners and viewers.
1: Okay, hi. Um, My name is Oliver Longchamps. Uh, I I wrote Ashes of Eternity, Shattered Empire. I'm looking to write a little more in the sci-fi and fantasy field. Um, I'm from Nevada, and... I'm a Scorpio. I don't know if that helps you or not, but <laughs> okay.
0: so we're like long walks on the beach. So where in Nevada are you from stabby? <laughs> uh, his wife, who's normally our co-host is from Vegas.
1: Okay. I live in the Northern Nevada, about six w- hours away from that in okay. Winnemucca. Okay. I'm going to that to Reno. That's about two and a half hours away.
2: Okay. I, I know the general region to which you reside because so, i lived all up and down California, and we like to visit northern Nevada.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the next part of the introduction, okay. dear listener, dear viewer, is how we first found him. Uh, so we actually found Oliver through Jeremy Spires, who's one of uh Nick's brothers of the booty shorts, otherwise known as the Ranger panties, otherwise known as Ranger. Uh, and so when he said, Hey, do me a favor and uh, help my friend out with an interview, I said, Sure, why not? Um, Originally, uh, Jeremy was going to be here, and they could nerd out over their silky panty thing going on, but life happened, and so you're stuck with just us, Oliver.
2: Me and Ollie have been friends on Facebook for a while
0: now. Oh, wow. I feel cheated. Why didn't I know? I don't don't know know who added you, but
1: yeah. I I think I added you after listening to this podcast, and I bought a couple of comics, actually, from, from your store. yeah.
2: Uh, I got you here on my stamps.com account. Your address is in there.
0: So, yeah. So, uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the comics. I did, actually. So what kind of comics do you normally enjoy? Before we get all nerdy and the religion questions, let Nick shine with his love of the graphic imagery. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so I like kind of, a, kind of the anti-hero character and a little, little grittier, like a... The Crow. I like. Uh, yeah. Ah, suddenly all the names have left me of all the comics I read. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Crow, um, like jack I like characters like him just because you don't hear much about them. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so. So. Yeah. Do you go? Do you get in on the? Uh, was it Nick? What do you call them? Capes and cowls, the, that kind of superhero, too, or do you prefer the more gritty stuff in general?
2: Oh, the, well, you have the street beaters. I um, mean, capes and cowls is a general terminology, and that covers Batman to Superman. So you got to get you got to yeah. get deep dive, like the street level, the street beater hero, uh, the urban hero. You know, then you have your cosmic heroes.
1: Yeah, So I've read quite a bit of a quite a bit of Batman. I've actually got like a little shelf back here you probably can't see. just full of and novels, some like Batman, Star Wars and various other things I've collected. You know, just He's checking the all years. the boxes. Drives my wife.
0: Oh yeah. Love it. She'll learn. Tell her the collectibles. That's what it's for. You're investing <laughs> in your future. Well, I they never that's why I in, in a little before. corner of the house. Yeah, they never believe it until you sell that one thing for a crap ton of money. And they're like, see, see, I told you. (laughs) I had a, I collected baseball cards growing up and I happened to have Nolan Ryan's rookie card. I bought it pure chance in a batch at a yard sale. And I had it, I put it in an individual thing and I I looked it up for the value. I just thought it was cool because I knew who he was back in in the day. And, And I told my mom, like, this is worth a lot of money. No, it's not, shut up. And then our house got robbed And it got taken, and we listed it. And so, of course, as part of that process, you have to give it a value. And she finds it. She's like, holy crap. And that's when the insurance says, for something that expensive, you have to have a special uh, line item rider. And I'm like, see, I told you it was worth a lot of money, Mom. See, you didn't believe me. But uh,
2: There's a sought-out baseball card now is Tom Brady rookie card when he played for the Montreal Expos, when he played baseball.
0: I didn't know he played baseball.
2: Yeah, before he became – the goat in football, which I debate that, but I kinda have to give it to him. In my I in the era of football to which I grew up, Joe Montana was the goat. But yes. you know, I guess you gotta pass the mantle ever you know every so often. And so yeah, he, I I, I didn't Brady know that either. I saw it on the news.
0: Was 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 Tom Brady an ace Ventura? I think not. Joe Montana was.
2: No, Dan Marino was. No, it was Joe. It was all- let it's me go Marino
0: before I make it. Happen. I will
2: bet you my next royalty check from this podcast on it. I... <laughs> All thirty bucks.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. Well, keep them talking. I'm looking it up. Keep them talking,
2: Ollie. I don't remember which. Uh, forgive me. I'm horrible at this stuff. But Which books of mine did you get?
1: Was Phantom Hawk?
2: Oh, or so I got the
1: um. Yes. And uh, the uh, Bengal? Is that how you say Bengali, it? Bengali, yeah. Yeah, my two anti heroes, yeah. Yeah, Bengal, yeah.
0: Yeah, that so, makes sense. So yeah, I got those Liz, two. I want you to know I was right. It was Dan Marino. Take that, Nick. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it
2: feels like that scene from uh, The Water Boy, and he goes, oh, He's the best tackler I've seen since Joe Montana. <laughs> or Joe Montana. And he goes, Joe Montana was a quarterback. You stupid asshole. And he's like, I met Joe Montana, who's an actor who never played football. <laughs> anyway,
0: but uh, but yeah, all right. So there goes Mike. Clearly, I don't watch the sports ball.
2: Um, that, that's where you have me for comic books and sports ball.
0: <laughs> I football mean, I, I, I watch the rugby, but I mean, America sucks, and there's no local teams. America's rugby team sucks. Not the country people. I'm not not shitting over old Glory here, but. Rugby is not a sport we are known for. No, the, the Australians, because they yeah. they get New
2: Zealanders and Fijians on their team, and those guys just run, like, freight trains.
0: The New Zealand Actually. All Blacks are pretty impressive, and they do that really cool haka when they go out on the field.
2: Oh, yeah. Got to love the haka.
0: Make you poop your pants. Yeah, well, we <sighs> – I played against one co- – Well, I probably should save that for the after show, because that would get us demonetized instantly if I yeah, tell you do that. Part. Some of the cool uh, chants we, we kicked off to when I played. Um, but anyway, moving along, we're going to do the religion questions before I get us demonetized. Okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you, sir, are you ready for this? Uh, Star yeah. Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Uh, Star Wars, for sure. Okay, why? I like Star Wars and usual. What's that? What, what is it about Star Wars that speaks to you?
1: So Star Wars has been one of my favorites just because it it kind of had a blend of science fiction and fantasy, which is something I loved both of, you know, growing up. And I have actually used to steal, like, my dad's uh, old Star Wars books, the EU, the Expanded Universe. I used to steal those from all the time and read those, so that made me kind of fall in love with it.
0: Okay. Yeah, the expanded. There was a lot of good stuff. Did you read Rogue, Rogue Squadron?
1: I didn't read Rogue Squadron, actually. That's a good uh, one. Splinter
2: of the Mind's Eye was my favorite in the EU.
1: Yeah, I like uh, that one. That, that was one. the first EU book I ever uh, read. And that was the sequel that never was, right? That
2: Yeah, it took place D. in between yeah, A New Hope and uh, Empire. And then yeah. in between Empire and Jedi, you have um, the Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. That was a good one, too. Yeah. Like it kind of explains where what Luke was doing the, what uh, everybody was doing.
0: The other good one, Karen Travis wrote the um, the Commando series. Oh, that was, that was pretty was really good. Great. Yeah.
2: Good games, too.
0: Yeah, they were. I remember back in the day before, before they killed our favorite franchise, Moment of Silence, people. When I was young and Star Wars was a rapid hill franchise. Speaking of if if it sounds like it's a delay, there there is a little bit of delay on Oliver's end. He's not ignoring us. It's just we're gonna have to deal with it. It's that whole Nevada, they tax his internet extra, so you know he's paying every time he speaks. But what are you gonna do? I thought he was off planning. The house always wins, Nick. What are you going to do? Dude, it always wins. I thought Oliver
2: was off planet right now doing some uh, interstellar.
0: We're not supposed to talk about that. We signed NDAs and now we owe him money. It's going to get ugly. My computer's going to go crazy again like the Alien episode. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. All right. And because we are polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blaze podcast, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or The Chronicles of Narnia. So actually, um,
1: I have to go with Wheel of Time because I've enjoyed I enjoyed those books more than Game of Thrones, and I never I never read Narnia. So okay. I'll have to go with I blame the time. time. And it if I say true. anything's my favorite fantasy series, uh, I do too for a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I would have to say Lord of the Rings would be my favorite fantasy series. Fair that used uh, to primarily The Hobbit.
0: That used to be on the religion question, but it was so unfair because everyone said it. That's why we switched to the Chronicles of Narnia, because it's sort of contemporary. It's classic, yeah. iconic. It's in film, video. Uh, so it's, it's in film, print, graphic novel, and comic um, adaptations. So we kind of we tried to pick iconic and speaking to everybody across all the, the platforms. So there's not a lot of them that do that, unfortunately. 'Cause comics are expensive to make, Nick, right? Dude, tell me. Tell my bank account. Okay, I, <laughs> I can't catch a break here. Forget about it. All right, in the last religion question. So we decide whether you get to stay, but Nick likes you, so I think you're already in. But because yeah, we are <laughs> because we are civilized here at the Blasters and Blades and no longer knuckle dragging troglodytes, coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Uh, tea.
1: Actually, and Earl Grey.
0: Hot, Black. hot. <laughs> Are you? A, yes. Did you watch any of the track stuff? The next generation. Uh Yeah, actually, Picard.
1: <laughs> Picard's actually yeah. my favorite captain. Okay, so a little it's bit a of toss a, up for me.
2: Yeah. It's a toss up for me. I like for me. Cisco though. was good too.
0: Bacula, his captain was it Archer? I think. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Uh, although he's always he's always the uh, quantum leap guy to me. Oh yeah, just like MacGyver will always be yeah. MacGyver. You know, there's certain things that just sort of imprint who they are to you. Oh, absolutely. Not gonna right. lie, in the '80s I had a mullet because I wanted to be like MacGyver. I was. I, like, unfortunately, I also had a mullet. <laughs> Don't judge us, people.
2: <laughs> it was the '80s. Yeah, but my dad did (laughs) had one too. So because he was a big Magnum PI guy, because he kind of looked like him, especially with his mustache. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I match my dad. You know, you match your father sometimes. You know, growing up, should be your your uh, your archetype for the type of man you want to be. So my so my that man had a mullet.
0: Uh, was was navy and for when I was really young he was a special boat unit so he's the high and tight thing going on all wannabe marine whatever they were doing. Um don't tell the SEALs we said that. Uh, not that he was a SEAL, he's a special <laughs> boat unit, but they all worked together and they, you know, they did the whole wannabe moto marine nonsense. Send the hate mail to Madam Stabby. Uh, and so he was like I'll never have make my kid have a have short hair like this. And then I grew it out because suddenly when I started growing it out, he wanted it short. He's like, that just looks like a sissy. So the more he said that, of course, the longer I grew it. And now I look at the pictures and I'm like, Dad, why didn't you slap me? That looks ridiculous. <laughs> you know, when you did, like in, the pictures.
2: On the flip side of the coin, you got my dad who was, who was a SEAL. He was with Team 1. And I've seen pictures of him when he was in the Navy. You couldn't tell he was in the Navy. He had a mullet then too. Which yeah. I thought it was an '80s thing, but apparently it was happening in the late '70s.
0: Yeah. So, and, and of course, Joe Dirt brought it back for a brief hot minute. Um, but the the problem with the uh, the the special squirrel types, because I remember I was doing when I was going to my second or was it third AIT? Because I had a couple of molasses. They had me temporarily on on gate guard. You know, you're checking IDs. I think it was at like the DFAC or maybe it was the PX. I don't know. I just remember this guy coming in with a military ID, but he's got like the full beard and the mustache and the long hair. And turns out he was one of the special squirrels. But I'm like, no, it's fake ID. You got to turn around. And uh, he just pulls out his flip phone in the era where not everyone had cell phones. And he's like, do you need to talk to the general? I'm like, never mind. You go on. I don't care who you are. You can be terrorists. We're good. What base was this on? Uh, This was when I was going to uh, Eustis for my second MOS. Fort uh, okay. <laughs> we'll call it Fort Useless. You, you met a D boy. I don't know. I didn't want to assume. I just know he had military ID that had his picture on it. It was long hair. And I just, uh the, the threat to actually call someone higher up when you're a young PFC was just enough to be like, mm. I right. mean, you, you could be stealing the Declaration of Independence. I'm letting you go, so I don't have to talk to a general. It's like, do you want to talk to the two star <laughs> or the four star? Your choice. Nope, you can have the Declaration. It's yours. It's yours. You're good. You got this. Ah, we, ought, we ought to put that into a uh, into a book that we we're gonna write something. We're gonna have to throw that in there. That scene where the PFC's is like, mm, I'm gonna risk that he's just not the bad guy because I'd rather not risk talking to the colonel.
2: I, I don't know if everybody here has seen the movie Dog with Chatham Chatham Tatum Tatum Chatting whatever the hell his name is. Um, the the premise is that he's going to retrieve a, a secret squirrel. K nine from ranger battalion right and said second bat so that's fort lewis and he's going through the gate and he goes like hey sir this uh id card's expired and he's like hold on let me call somebody real quick and he calls the sergeant major for second second bat and uh sergeant major gets on there and he's like let him through he's you know he's a guest of second ranger battalion and he's like oh yeah that's right ranger battalion he's like all right you can go sir <laughs> he's like, and then he flips him off while he's driving through the gate. I'm like, dude,
0: oh, I've yeah, seen the commercials. Like, it looks horrible. Like, never consulted anyone in the military. Horrible. No, no, it's it's actually really good. Yeah, I don't I don't know which one you were thinking of, but uh, that that one was. Does he go into a bunch I, of like muscle heads and they're lifting, and he's talking smack as he walks in? They they filmed it there
2: at 275 there in Port Louis. Um, okay. They went to. Yeah, and they saw the gym. The gym looks like something from like a Division One school.
0: Yeah, I remember you this. Know. I saw the trailer. Is it worth it, watching?
2: Oh yeah, tugs tugs the heartstrings, bro. Tugs yeah. the heartstrings.
0: So, what's your favorite military movie? Since you're writing mil sci-fi for the novel, at least we're interviewing about today. Do you have a favorite military movie?
1: Um, <clears throat> Saving Private Ryan actually it was one of my favorites. It's a good one. Good one. See. It all I, uh, goes
2: back to two seventy five, baby.
1: <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I told my mom I wanted to join the military, and to scare me away from that, she made me watch Saving Private Ryan, and it just turned it's into one of my her. favorite movies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that in Hollinsfield, Germany, when I because I was we were there doing some training with Second Ranger Battalion. And they're like, "We're gonna see this movie because it's about Second Rangers in uh, World War II, and I'm like. Oh, cool. We go and check it out. We, the whole battalion was there. We, we, it was on a, uh, an AFES movie theater. So it was on post and we, we filled it up. We filled up like, cause there's so many of us like two or three screens to yeah. watch that. And everyone's cheering. Like that's the movie that most people are like, "No, this is to detract you from joining the military. We're like, yeah, blood and guts, kill, 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 you know, <laughs> getting really into it. And then we, uh, because when I, part of that trip. We went to uh, St. Mary Glees. Is
0: that and, where Pointe du Hoc is?
2: Yeah, we went to Pointe du Hoc. We saw that, that whole area. We went to the the, sec- the second range of town. has its own museum. Nice. In Grand Camp, um, France, which was the first town they liberated after they took Pointe du Hoc. And then we went to... We had to go to St. Mary Glees because that's where Captain John Steele's parachute landed on the church tower. Okay, and and then they have an airborne museum there. Airborne gets in free,
0: so no, legs got to pay full price. Shut up, asshole. <laughs> so we because I because I deployed twice with the 101st as a in a leg battalion, um, but when we went over, we actually watched Band of Brothers on the r- ride over there. Because what else are you going to do when you're deploying to war with the 101st?
2: Oh yeah, that's another place I want to go. I want to go where Market Garden happened.
0: You know, yeah, like the there, um. You know. I actually had the, the sergeant major of the 101st, uh, pin my stripes on when I made sergeant. Nice. So I still have somewhere the certificate they give you with the NCO creed on it and everyone signs it. It's got a signature on it. Um, it probably regretted that one. Um,
2: <laughs> every time when they promote me to sergeant, like, you know, they bring you up to the front of permission yeah. and, you know, pound your, pound your stripes in, and then they want you to address everybody. I made everybody push. And then after that, I mean, I dropped with them cause I was a good NCO. Um, I was like, the Army effed up again, gentlemen. <laughs> Every time they promoted me, that was
0: my deal. So my platoon sergeant was a big dude. Like, he blew his knee out playing for University of Maryland as a lineman. That's how big the dude was, right? And so I decided, you know, what else are you going to do? You join the Army. And he decided to go first because he is the platoon sergeant, and he punched the stripes in. I couldn't feel my arm for the rest of the day, Ooh. Off my shoulder, so I – I don't know if anyone else hit after. I mean, I know they went through the motions. For all I know, it could have been like a gentle caress because I wasn't feeling it anyway, which is probably why he did it. He probably was doing me a favor.
2: <laughs> That's <was> back <laughs> in the day when our rank was on our collars. Then they moved yeah. it to the chest, and then you're getting like a myocardial infarction when they, when they <laughs> promote you.
0: So, so a little a bit heart, of training.
2: A little but, arrhythmia going on there.
0: The boats that they landed on um, the beaches, because actually my grandfather landed on Utah. And then he ended up being wounded at uh, at St. Lowe. But the Mike boats that they landed on is actually what my first MOS in the Army was to actually drive those, only the modern versions of them. Um, they were reconfigured to do riverine patrols. And then someone forgot to tell the Army that that unit shut down in 1974. <laughs> so when I report in, they're like, uh, jokes on you, kid. Um, that's how I ended up cycling through so many MOSs, because... They were like, well, if you're doing combat service support for the infantry, well, you got to be infantry too, right? If your boat breaks, you're screwed. So they sent me through Benning, so the John Wayne School for Boys. And then as soon as I went to that, they sent me to the boat driver school. And then I got to my unit and they're like, "Uh, we drive trucks now. And then I went right back to my third MLS, which is really great for promotion points, by the way. But a year and a half with drill sergeants was not the best way I I planned on spending my... my Uh, I would have
2: quit. I would have quit.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. Of course, you shoot really good when you go through the truck driver school, and you, you upset the right people, and welcome back to the infantry. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a danger in being too good at certain skills as a guy. Well, actually, it doesn't matter gender now because they let ladies in the infantry. They're tabbed, some of them, like two, three. All right, all right, all right. So we've been BSing, uh, trying to make this, <laughs> clear, this interview as entertaining as we can around his his Wi-Fi. We are going to actually send Nick up there with, with one of his Ranger teams. We're just going to fix his um, satellite. We're just going to borrow one from the government. They don't need it. And that way, the next interview, he's going to have top-notch <laughs> wifi. Gonna I'm just going to
2: call an Echo buddy of mine, have him go up there. I, I don't know anything about electronics. I'll make it worse.
0: <laughs> Probably. I mean, Haskell used to do electronics. We'll just send him up there. He doesn't have anything to do. No best-selling novels, right? <laughs> yeah, he take a break. He's got 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. All right, all right. So, what was the process? Because um, you're writing the, the. Let me show the cover up. So, yeah,
3: let's uh, get that cover you
0: know, up. The series Ooh. that you're writing, The Shattered uh, Empire, is a standalone book in Jeremy Haskell, Shattered, Jeremy Haskell, Jeremy Spires, Shattered Empire, <laughs> you know, um, as, as a standalone. Um, so, what was the process of you getting invited to write in his world?
1: So, me and him meant in the galaxy's edge uh fan group on facebook a while back and we ended up you know we continued communicating back and forth to each other and i mentioned that i wanted to write and he asked if i had considered writing something in ashes of eternity <clears throat> and i would and of course at that moment i i drew a bike like yeah i don't i don't know i don't have any ideas and then within a week i had a million and a half ideas and i just wanted I just had to pick one to email. Like, okay, let's see if this one sticks. I and I just definitely... wanted
0: to go ahead. Sorry, go on. I just say that that tracks when people ask. And me. I just
1: honestly, I wanted to, wanted to uh, from the point of view of the fell, which is a uh, spoiler alert. That's one of the factions in the book. From from a Fel soldier who's not actually like being used as cannon fodder pretty much like in the other books of the series.
0: Okay. Um, So that's one of the things Nick and I get, it comes up in conversations a lot where people ask where you get your ideas uh, like they're so hard. And and the standard answer from anybody in the creative side of the house is no, no, no. How do you turn them off? I want to be just for five minutes, like make the ideas go away for a little bit.
2: Yeah. Once you turn the faucet on, it's hard to turn it off.
1: Say that one yeah, more time. It's, it's hard. I'll be at work and I'll start thinking of ideas and I'll be in the middle of a safety meeting and they're like, Hey, uh, where'd you go, buddy? I'm like, uh, nowhere. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> Meeting's probably been over for like 50 minutes at that point. <laughs> but,
0: okay. Well, as long as no one dies when your your brain goes other places, you're good. So yeah, exactly. We're gonna I'm not driving you- the heavy
1: equipment, so I'm safe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and if you didn't die, you were safe. Even if you were driving the heavy equipment, right? But did you <laughs> exactly. die? That, you got to get that on the merch. <laughs> but but did you die? I'll throw it on one of our shirts. Yeah, get like the logo on the front, like breast pocket, and then but did you die on the back or something? But um, so Nick, uh, rate the art because you like to look at the art and the pretty pictures. Yeah, I I think it's a
2: very compelling image. Um, I, I like the the armor of the, the soldier or federal agent or whatever that character is. It's um, it's menacing, which is what you want if you're carrying a gun. You want to be menacing to your opponent. Um, the fractured oh, yeah. planet, or, or something going on in the background, looks like a planet's fractured or a firestorm or something going. On. It's just I don't know. All the all the visual components really make a very, good, like I said, compelling image. So it looks like he's he's ready to stand off against something cool in a very harsh environment.
0: Given a little bit of the um, Halo vibes with the armor style, especially with that gauntlet yeah. on the wrist, but I dig it. I mean, everyone, when you draw armor and you put it on the cover, everyone's like, oh, you stole that from Insert, their favorite franchise. And I'm like, like yeah, like- and we can track this back to essentially everyone's drawing modern versions of the Knights in Shining Armor. Shut up and go away
2: yeah instead of metal we're using yeah. kevlar i mean it's, it's tough to do there's like nine variations that you can do and they all look the same um which it because it's functional it's it's um function over form Yeah. so no i i, I dig it because i got a character with a similar helmet well mainly the the, the face visor with the eyes um no, nah, I, I think it's a cool image. I think I think if I saw that in a bookstore and I walked past it, I'd be like, oh, what's this about? And, you know, read The Inside Jacket, you know, the author's notes or whatever. Yeah. A little description of what I'm about to get into because a book is a commitment. I don't know. I didn't know that until I got on this podcast and I had to read a hell of a lot more. I, re- I read more because of this podcast than I did in college.
0: Yeah, but you so, like you read more.
2: You know, it's like you meet somebody, yeah. you know, next thing you know, you're just books are constantly showing up and stabby's like, are you going to read this? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you see how long I spent on the toilet. I got, I got a whole library in there. <laughs> is that a best uh, time to read? Before your legs fall asleep. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that a, yeah. I just, yeah. uh, it's his first, I don't know if it's his first book, the residue, but, uh, he said it was, it was a horror book. So I'm like, I'm really big into horror and it's,
0: all right. Like three, well, uh, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. And then we're going to dive deeply into your story and you're just going to tell us about it. I think uh, when we come back, we'll just let you off the off the leash, so to speak, and just kind of speak because the lag is going to frustrate people, I, I fear. Um, so rather than us peppering you with questions, we're just going to let you like sing the swan song of this lovely book. But in the meantime, we're gonna
2: hit the ramble button, the ramble button.
0: In the meantime, we're gonna shamelessly okay. show the man. Boom!
3: Atlanta cabbie by day, amateur auto duelist by night. Ricky Turner is living the dream. That is until he wakes up in a Gold Cross facility to discover his last match was more than a failure; it was a fatality. Indebted for the cost of the clone body and reboot, Ricky heads back to the arena to do the one thing he knows how to do, drive offensively. But at the rate amateur matches pay out, it'll take several lifetimes to pay his debt. Luckily, the AADA has announced a new nationwide road rally designed to challenge even the hardiest of auto-dueling teams. Dead Man's Run. Can Ricky and his clandestine crew traverse the wasteland from Atlanta to Sturgis, survive against packs of cannibals, roving biker gangs, and amateur auto duelists out to make a name for themselves? Welcome to the world of the car warriors, auto duel chronicles. Tales from the freeways of the future, where the right of way goes to the biggest guns and death sports rule the airwaves. From clandestine highway battles to primetime arena combat, Jump behind the wheel, follow the fast paced action, and never forget to drive offensively. Burning Roads, Dead Man's Run, book one by William Joseph Roberts, narrated by Joshua Saxon, available from Three Ravens Publishing on Amazon and anywhere books are sold.
0: That gives me vibes like talking about drive aggressively. That was what we said when we taught the combat driving. It was drive it like you stole it, kind of was the motto. Um, we call that road rage one hundred one was the class teaching people how to do that. Um, I'm. It's not quite in line uh, with what you guys do in law enforcement, Nick, because we don't actually always care if the other guy gets hurt. You guys kind of have to. Dude,
2: I we were coming on to we were coming up from Irish onto Route of Senators. The uh, coming up from Bob Falcon.
0: Yep. I'm familiar and with the A.O.
2: As we're getting on that on-ramp, that interchange, um, there was a brand-new, pristine, green Mercedes that didn't notice us. And the guy that was driving was like, screw this. I ain't getting blown up today. So he Ooh. runs into this thing and drags it across the guardrail. Just ah, oh, Totally demolished it like I was happy and sad at the same time. I'm like, if you were worried that it was a V bed, why'd you go into it? He's like, because f them, that's why. And I'm like, well,
0: war's hell. Another Race was born.
2: <laughs> turns out, turns out, I asked him uh, later on and uh, about the whole situation, and he uh, he said that his favorite movie was Death Race Two Thousand, the old one, because yeah. they not done the remake yet. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong Humvee. <laughs>
0: yeah i drive with a dude that thinks it's
2: you know death race 2000 the whole time
0: i actually got an article 15 for overly aggressive driving in a combat zone because Is that apparently when you're closing the contact um and you scare the sergeant major but what else does he expect you to do when you close in contact with the enemy like we're supposed to get in close and shoot shit right so but yeah close i got with destroy the enemy through fire and maneuver right well he was in the rear vehicle watching and I guess we made him nervous by proxy. So he uh, he wrote me an article fifteen and then it went up to brigade and that the brigade sergeant major was like this is just horse crap and he shouldn't have to brigade that, was he looking for a field grade? man? I don't know what he was looking for, but Brigade Sergeant Major is like, if you don't care that I keep a copy of this for my no shit, this is how effed up this was, wall, because I think it's glorious, and I'd promote you on the spot if I had the authority. I'm like, well, you actually do. And I started pointing to my E5 tab, and he's like, don't push it, kid. Get out of my office. <laughs> so so he made it go away. Sergeant
2: Hanley's uh, next NCOER was like, above center mass, promote
0: ahead of peers. I actually did, but I got hurt before I could take uh, advantage of that. But, all right. So other than the drive it like you stole it vibes from that commercial, uh, we're going to let Oliver dive into telling us about um, Ashes of Eternity and Shattered Empire. Before you start, can you tell the listening audience what the age range for your your target demographic is? Is it kid-friendly?
1: Okay, so it's going to be... Probably eighteen plus because it's fairly fairly violent and there is some uh, colorful language in it. So yeah, I'd say eighteen plus.
0: Okay, now um, can you tell us about the story?
1: Yeah, so um, in the story, basically, uh, you need a character named Private Artist who is part of the film Raiders, six uh, hundred thirty fifth. And he, he, gets put in, he gets put into a situation where he, he's he's forced to explore this Daruit craft, you know, and try and take it because his commander, the high priest, is just sees it as an opportunity, a golden opportunity for him to gain power and a few other things in there. I don't want to spoil too much. And they think it's derelict, but it. He actually, they actually find out that that's not very derelict at all. Everybody's just kind of sleeping, so they end up in countering an alien force, which is the the
0: Shattered Empire.
3: Nice.
0: So, yeah. does this um, Shattered Empire get explained, or is it going to require a sequel? I know you said originally it was a standalone. Um. See, it's a,
1: as of right now, it's, I believe it's standalone. It's something that I'm probably going to pitch to Jeremy later. It depends on how successful it is on whether or not I bring it to him. Because if it's kind of a loss, I don't want to like, hey, let me make another one, you know, right. even though the first one didn't do so well. <laughs>
2: but, but you have ideas for a sequel? Should it be very successful?
1: I do have an idea for for the sequel. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I find that common in most writers. It's like they'll they'll write it even if it's a it's a standalone. They're like, well, I got this idea just in case it pops off that everyone's going to like. Also.
0: Yeah, a lot of writers have right. a problem where they never met a short story they couldn't turn into a twelve book arc. Yeah.
2: Thanks yeah. for that, Jr. That's... <laughs> Now I dream about elves, Santa's elves as operators, and uh, space Romans, thanks to him. Because they were all short stories that I'm like, no, we can expand this world. This could be epic.
0: (laughs) So what can you tell us about your main character?
1: (laughs) Okay, so the the main character, he's got kind kind of a dark past. He grew up in... He grew up in a certain lifestyle uh, under a certain church that the federal religion <coughs> excuse me, ends up wiping out because it's an opposing force, basically. But they keep him, and it's kind of a kind of a favor from one of the fellow involved in wiping him out the, the church out. And so they keep him around and he's just trying to basically just trying to survive in this new environment that he's been forced into and trying to earn some some kind of acceptance from uh, the marauders around him. Pretty much. Okay.
2: So what kind of secondary characters you got going on there to uh, embellish the story and support your main character?
1: So in the beginning, there is there is a one person that he actually talks to that he's friends with, which you don't see too much of in there. Which is like secretly something I kind of regret. I wish I had more dialogue with him in there because it was fun writing that dialogue. There's there's a deposed emperor that he meets along with that he spends most of the journey with, who's kind of got his own agenda, but you don't find that out until later on. And there's a lot of... They're not secondary characters, but I I kind of enjoy the kind of the challenges he has to face, like the creatures and everything like that that he has to go up against during his journey. I was kind of, kind of proud of some of those that I came up with, because a lot of them like I said earlier in the interview, kind of showed up during safety meetings when I'm sitting there trying not to fall asleep, and I think, oh, that's I kind of want to see what artist does against that guy. Let's see if I can throw that in there. I
2: love it. I love it when writers get. Yeah, you know, uh, boredom is probably one of the best things for a writer's mind. Like you just you're sitting there, you're like, oh my god, because you're, you're in a meeting, you're you're in something that's completely into. Not stimulating intellectually, and your mind just wanders, and you play the "what if" game. Um, what if this character interacts with this character? What yeah. if this guy? You know, and it, it really produces a lot of good, a lot of good stories. Um, I like what you have going on, what you've described so far. You have the uh, the fallen king trope, which trope is not a bad word all the time. It's a great word, you know. No. It works, so. No, that that's really interesting because you'll your main character um, in the hierarchy of what he does. Where does he stand? Is he like an upper level dude, or is he kind of like a mid range operator type dude? Is he is he a, is he a he, day one private?
1: He's basically a, he's a private. He's a peon, and that's not you know from from lack of trying because as you read throughout the story, you know he's actually very. He's very resourceful. He's very, very dangerous in combat situations. But because of his past, the the brothers aren't willing to allow him to advance. Like, they're keeping him in one spot. And You know, which, with intent, because they they don't they don't like that he's there, but they're forced to to deal with him. Like, it's right yeah
2: no that's cool though because um, that yeah. is definitely the military in some aspects some people have had that experience where they keep these guys down at a lower level um for reasons unknown up until the reasons are known and then they don't even make sense right. but that's but the fact that you have someone at that level who's going to have interactions with the, uh, the disposed emperor or the fallen king, that trope, that, that just opens up for a lot of interesting, interesting storytelling, which our listeners I think are going to enjoy.
0: So does this story take place mostly on planets or is it mostly on the derelict ship that they find? Like, where is the setting?
1: So the, the whole setting is on a derelict vessel which I refer to in there as a, like, a colony vessel. Because the the Shattered Empire, the creatures that created it, they were originally, like, a... Sorry, they were originally, like, conquerors. They went across the galaxy-conquering worlds and all that stuff, and they built these colony vessels to kind of rule over those provinces they took over before their empire kind of fell. And there's only a few of these left, which is something that's also talked about in the story, not really highlighted, but it is talked about as kind of in the background world building type deal.
0: Okay. What kind of tech? I mean, obviously you've got spaceships and you've got space marine armor. Um, are we talking blaster rifles? Or are we talking chemical weapons? Shiny laser swords? Ooh, laser swords! Um, no
1: shiny laser sword. <laughs> yeah, no, no shiny laser swords. But a lot of it's uh, because one of my inspirations for writing, uh, especially in in sci-fi when I was coming up with the idea for the story and how I was gonna work it, because I'm I'm not a veteran, I don't know a whole lot about guns and gunplay, but I do like you know. I do know a little bit about swords and sorcery, so so I went back to EE uh, uh, e. Doc Smith. I'm not sure if you've read any of the Lensmen, but and a lot of those they don't use a lot of firearms and and guns because they're in a spaceship, and you know you put a hole through the hole, you're gonna have vacuum, and there is no story because yeah. all the characters get sucked out through a hole the size of a penny. Right. So
2: right,
1: so. They're it's mainly melee weapons for for the most part that they Close end quarters. up using. Blades, nice. Close quarters for the most part, because the lower ranks in the fell, which is which are featured in a uh, book one in Jeremy's main series, they're not given guns. That's something you have to earn with rank. So they start out with like lances, and well, they start with swords and then lances, essentially. So I wanted to play on that. Nice, more or less. And one of the so, you guys asked about side characters. Go ahead. Um, one of the main characters that I actually really enjoyed writing was the the commander for the Marauders. He's a high he's a high high priest in this, and I love how just evil and kind of douchebaggy, I made this guy. Because I just took every, pretty much every bad guy trope I thought I could put into his character and thought, yeah, I'll see if I can cobble that together and make it work. With a little, with a few tidbits from people I've actually met. There's one feature in there in particular I put in just because I just thought it was ridiculous when the person I met talked about it. So I thought I'll just share that with the world. That way, everybody else can, you know, share the dismay that it kind of caused.
0: Okay, so with your your blade weapons, with your swords and lances, are they like power lances, grab lances, or just straight straight like metal, super metal, space metal kind of vibe to them?
1: So. In the beginning, um, Artist has. In the beginning, you, you of course, you you see the guys with the regular steel, you know, just regular metal. But the metals used by the Shattered Empire is actually. Isn't metal. It's actually a. a what is it? A carapace uh, from giant spiders that they've kind of harvested. Great. They harvest now the shells from that. Because it seems, it seems hard. Um, like the exoskeletal. Oh okay. Like, yeah.
2: So the organic material but they from harvest in these spiders is being used for for weaponry.
1: Right, because they um, because they're in the colony vessels. They don't. You can't mine on a colony vessel. Right. So you know. I figured have something in there that was renewable, reusable, something that, you know, they could keep a steady supply of, more or less. Because I also wonder, like, how are these guys existing in space if they don't have their own, they don't have a planet, you know, to call home? Sort of the questions sense. I asked.
0: Okay. So is there anything else about the um, Ashes of Eternity? I'm going to throw that cover back on there for one more glorious moment. Is there anything that you think people need to know about the Ashes of Eternity or the Shattered Empire worlds um, that we didn't cover yet?
1: Um, aside from it's a it's a fun, it's an interesting series, you know, it's I feel like it's different from the Almost generic, you know, Pope sci-fi that you know, so it's kind of becoming more common, in, in my opinion. Right. And it's okay. That's it's it's fun. It's a fun read, and I enjoyed writing in it.
2: Well, I guess the next question is, where can we find this beautiful book? it I,
1: Okay, I so understand. um, where did we? we get to? It's primarily on Amazon. Okay. Um, for the moment, uh, right now it's digital and physical. I actually received my. Uh, see if I can get it. My physical copy today.
0: Hold
3: on, oh,
1: nice.
0: Hold on. Hold it so, on. Uh, there you go. Bring that up. Hold it up again. So we get your okay. solo screen.
1: Yeah. So I got my physical copy today. It's it's not a very big read, so you know if you don't want to jump. If you it's a little like easier to jump into something, you're like, Oh, I'm not I'm not dedicated to a big huge novel, it's just just a little guy, so
2: Yeah, what are we looking at? Like two, two fifty
1: pages? It's uh one uh one seventy two, one seventy six? Oh nice, hold on. I believe. Damn you
2: people,
0: now they're going to spend money. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, well, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> obviously, if you buy it, um, do your part. Please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So seriously, that helps, especially with debut authors. Um, so we've talked about this book. And obviously, if it sells, you're going to pitch a sequel to Jeremy Spires, whose world you're writing in. Um, are you working on anything else at the moment? Right. I have a fantasy
1: Sword and Planet uh, series that I want to kick off. I'm outlining it. Actually, right now I have the document kind of open in the background that I'm looking to get off the ground. I have a few other a few other ideas in the pipeline that I'm still kind of refining and trying to line out.
0: Okay. So, uh, if someone, wants, so there is more, (laughs) that is good. That is good. Are you doing any short stories? Get yourself out there across the uh, various platforms and audiences.
1: I am, I am attempting a few short stories. My, my problem is a lot of short stories have like, like word caps. Like there was one I wanted to submit to, but they had a 2000 word, like a 2000 word cap and, I just couldn't wrap my brain around telling a full, entertaining story in so few words.
0: Yeah, I don't but know. Like I, do I have so been working on them. some. Most of the ones, yeah. and I'll give you some some links. Most of the ones that I see are five to ten k range. Um, I don't know that I could do less than five. Okay, that. Yeah, my brain hurts just trying to picture telling yeah, a complete story in that that few words. But, all right, and how can listeners... Yeah, and that one, there there were just a few other... There were just a few other
1: stipulations with that one that I just just couldn't jive with, honestly.
0: Okay. So uh, where can they find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs besides your Amazon store? Do you have like a Facebook profile, author page, any of that?
1: I have a Facebook author page under Oliver Longchamps. Okay. I'll link that you can, in the notes. And um, you can find me on my regular Facebook under All Long Champs. I have an Instagram. I believe my Twitter handle is Darth Melkor 1989, if you guys are on Twitter or, sorry, formerly known as Twitter X now.
0: Okay. All right, I'll get all of those in the show notes. And as usual, you can find us, dear listener, dear viewer, on our Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R.E-E, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades Podcast. Again, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades Podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoots, the rumbles, the YouTubes, the Twitters, the email, Blasters and Blades Podcast at gmail.com for professional purposes only, people. We also have our Facebook group (laughs) and Facebook page, and most importantly, we have Madam Stabby Stab on the Instagram, Twitters, and the emails where all that hate mail goes. So if uh, you want to talk sports ball with, uh, with Nick, send the hate mail to Stabby and she'll read it to him in glorious detail. You can Very watch. slowly,
2: too, so I can understand.
0: <clears throat> She's got to use the little words. You can find us on our website at anchor.fm <laughs> slash blasters tech Antac blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters tech Antac blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can support the show and help keep the lights on. Or you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co host. Duly caffeinated. They will drink until the java pours out of their eyeballs. I want to thank you for science. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, Coffee Brand Coffee, we're an affiliate vendor with them. So you use our link in the show notes below and use the code Podcast Grunts for 10% off. It's American-made, American-shipped. and I don't know if it's American-grown, but it sounds cool to say American. So uh, if you like supporting your local <laughs> businesses. It's so <that's-> american adjacent. <laughs> Yeah, probably because most was it coffee's mostly grown in South America, right? I should the know good that. ones are. I believe well, that's sharing. fine. So, um anyway, with that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades Podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go. Boom. Thank you for sticking with us through the, uh, through the lag. I promise we will get his wifi figured out and we're going to have him back because offline, when we didn't have the lag going on, he's a lot of fun to talk to and he likes comics. So he's in with Nick, right? That's like step one. Oh yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. He
2: checked all the boxes. Yeah. I so mean, We're,
0: we're going to fix the tech issues and we're going <laughs> to get him back on our panels until then we're out. And,